Good. Uh, but let us pray. Lord, we just thank you for his day and everything you've given us, God. We pray that you would just, uh, we pray that we would, uh, receive you this morning, God. That we would not leave here, Lord, uh, disheartened, Lord, uh, without peace, without hope, without love, God. We just pray that you would take this message and let it be yours and in our hearts and our lives, God. We, we thank you for the, the gift of your son, Jesus Christ, died on the cross, Lord. And we pray that you would just uh, watch over us this week, God, and, and tonight, Lord, and in the future, God. And we just ask all these things in your name we pray. Amen. So, I got a question. Who in here is somebody? Huh? Everybody, everybody, everybody's somebody. Look, y- y'all got to raise your hands, okay? Everybody, if you're a person, if you're a human being in here, Okay, raise your hand, alright? Now, you gotta raise your hand if, if you've ever, uh, made a mistake. Ever made a mistake, right? Like, alright, I don't see nobody that didn't raise your hand, right? And, and raise your hand if, if there is, ne- if there's all, if there has ever been a point in your life where, um, somebody has wronged you, okay? Oh, well, some of y'all got good friends. Okay, yeah. Well, see, that, this is the secret about us as, as human beings, okay? And, and sometimes we want to paint the best picture that we can. You know, we're, we want to be the best people we can be. But the reality is that every single one of us are going to make mistakes. And we are going to say, and we're even going to do things that everybody else is going to be like, I, I can't believe he did that. You know, he was in church last Sunday. Can you believe that? Right? Like, but, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. Like, luckily, you and I are not God. Okay? Luckily, you and I are not God. Because if you and I was God, you know how many people there would be in heaven? There would be nobody because we wouldn't want them to ruin our beautiful heaven, right? And, and so, Oftentimes when we make mistakes, when we, we, when we fail and, and when we ruin our relationships with other people, when we do things that, that we should not do, it, it always brings hurts. It, it always, it always brings pain. And, and a lot of times we, we ask ourselves the question, how, how can I know that God is going to forgive me? Right? Like, how do I know? Cause I, I was bad back then, but, I made a worse choice today, right? Or I'm a lot better today than I was in, in previous years. But how do I know that God isn't going to hold that against me for the rest of my life, right? Like that's the questions that go through our mind because unfortunately we don't have a, a little window on our heart that, that one side's red and one side's green. And if we're forgiven, it's on the green side. And if we're not, it's on the red side, right? Like that, that doesn't exist. And God, He doesn't send us a letter in the mail, right? Like get our address and send you a letter and say, hey, you know, you're good. You are good. When you die, you have no worries, no concerns whatsoever. Like He doesn't send you an email. So, so in our minds and in, in our, in our hearts, a lot of times this, this question comes up that we ask ourselves. And that is, you know, how, how do we know that God is going to forgive us, right? And part of that equation, part of that problem is that 
we have problems trusting God because we know people. Okay? And people, unfortunately, are not like God. They don't just forgive like, like God does, even though we should. And so we, we put that thought process, that mind process on, on God when, when that's not really who God is. And so if you turn with me to, to Matthew chapter 18, Matthew chapter 18, verse 21. Now, this is good news and this is bad news. Okay, it depends on which side of the, which side you're on. But in Matthew chapter 18, Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 through 26, it says this. Then Peter approached him and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? As many as seven times. Okay. This is just the best story ever. Okay, like I know I say that every Sunday, but today really is the best. And it says, as many as seven times. I tell you, not as many as seven, Jesus replied, but seventy times seven. For this reason, for this reason, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle accounts, one who owed 10,000 talents was brought before him. Since he did not have the money to pay back, his master commanded that he, his wife, his children, and everything he had be sold to pay the debt. At this, the servant fell face down before him and said, Be patient with me, and I will pay you everything. Then the master of the servant, then the master of that servant had compassion, released him, and forgave him alone. Now, as, as we look at this, it's very important to understand that Jesus had just explained the forgiveness process, okay? to the disciples, to all these people listening. And he said, this is what you do, okay? If you have someone who sins against you, and it's very important to qualify that. We're talking about sin, okay? We're not talking about them, people's opinions, okay? We're not talking about the fact that they did something that you did not like. But we are talking about sin, something that that we say, we think, or or we do that, that displeases God. And so Jesus said, this is how you handle this. You go to that person and you explain to them that they have sinned against you. And then you ask for forgiveness. You ask them to to apologize kind of deal. If they don't listen, what do you do? You go get you another person. Okay? You get somebody else. and, and, And they come with you. Okay? They come with you and they talk to the person. They talk to the person. You know, and, and they ask questions like, well, am I, am I seeing this right? Am I understanding this right? Where, where did, did we get off track? And then, if that doesn't work, what Jesus says you do is then you go to the church. You go to the body of Christian believers and you say, look, this person has sinned. This person has rebelled against God. And we have went to them one time and we went to them a second time. And interestingly enough, the Bible says you bring a second person, a second time, to establish 
the facts. Okay? So basically, say, this is what happened. And, and then Jesus says, if they don't listen, treat them as a tax collector or a Gentile. But here's the interesting thing and the reason why we, we had to, to know that is this is just what Jesus had finished talking about. And what is the question that is asked? What's the question that is asked here? Well, in verse 21, it says, Then Peter approached him and asked, Lord, how many times do we forgive someone? Right? Because Peter, in his mind, is like every one of us here today, and we was listening to Jesus tell this story, and we're thinking, okay, okay, if, if the person forgives, if, if, if they admit they're wrong, that they've sinned, that they've done wrong against us, we, we can forgive them, but, but Jesus didn't address what happens if they do it again, right? He didn't address if, if they have, you have to go back to that individual after they have said that they're sorry and tried to change their ways. And so Peter, like us, asked the question, Well, Jesus, how many times... Do I have to do this? How many times? And, and Peter was being, being very, very generous. Okay. Because in, in that day and time, the, the standard rule was three strikes and you're out. Three strikes and you're out. You're gone. You, you get forgiveness the first time, the second time, the third time. But after you hit that fourth time, you're a goner. You, you must not be a Christian no more. Okay. And so that's what the, the people that day, the religious leaders, the temple, the, the Jews, they figured that three times should be the maximum amount. And after that, that person must have no sense and must be like somebody that, that doesn't believe, right? And so what is Jesus' response to Peter? And it's kind of crazy because this is coming from Jesus. And Jesus is the expert like many times, yeah, okay. But listen, so that many times, you know what we call people who do that many times. You know, you know what we call people. We we call them bound for hell. Okay, we we say, well, they're they're bound for for hell. That they must be going to hell. They must not be a Christian because they have sinned this many times. This many times. It must be impossible, right? So in our lives, if somebody has sinned against us this many times, what is our opinion of them? It's not very good, right? Like we start to ask these questions, well, they must not know Jesus. Do, do they belong in, in, in a church? Can I even talk to them? Can my kids even go over to their house? Like, this stuff starts going through, through our minds. But here's, here's, here's the crazy part. So Jesus has a totally different, totally different uh, plan than we do. When, when people ask us questions, when we're trying to prove a point to somebody, here's what we do. We tell them. We tell them exactly what we think, what we think about how it should be done. All this, right? But what does Jesus do? Jesus tells a story. Okay, he tells a story. And in this story, he says, This reason the kingdom of heaven can be compared 
to a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. Settle accounts with his servants. And when he began to settle his accounts, so he tells this, this story, this parable, and it's very important to understand the, the gravity of this situation. Because when, when Jesus says that this king is starting to settle the accounts with his servant, with his servants, he uses the most extreme possible case that you could ever find. Okay, most extreme possible case. If you look in, in, in Matthew chapter 18, you see, you, you see what this servant owes. Okay? You see what this servant owes. And, and this servant owed I think it is 10,000 talents, right? And interestingly enough, the talent is the highest known currency in the Roman Empire. The highest. Did you hear me? The highest. The highest, the highest known currency. And 10,000 was the highest number for which the Greek language had a word. So to translate to us, the situation that we're dealing with, it's impossible. It's a debt that, that is so, so great, so, so great, so bad that, that you can, that he couldn't even pay it, right? He couldn't even pay it. And, and estimates for the amount of money that this servant owed have come from, uh, several million to one trillion dollars. Do any of y'all got that much money? Probably not, you know. I'm just, I'm just going to assume, you know. But so that's the amount of money that this servant, that this servant owes. And so obviously, when when he, when he hears this, that what his debt is, what it, what is his response? What is his response? He he falls down on his face and he begs for mercy. He begs for mercy. He begs for mercy. And the consequences of him not paying his debt, it wasn't that he was going to lose his house. It wasn't going to lose all that stuff. But the king would sell him and his family into slavery. Into slavery. He would lose everything. He would lose his personal identity. He would lose his wife. He would lose his kids. He would lose, he would lose his entire family. Right? And... And so he begs down at the feet of this king for mercy, for mercy. And, and what is the response of this king? What is the response of this king? He is merciful. He is merciful, right? And, and he forgives, he forgives this servant of the dead. And it wasn't a type of forgiveness to where that day the servant came and, and he forgave him the debt. And then next week, he said, you know, you was pretty mean to me this week. So I, I'm reinstating the debt. Like, wasn't that type of deal? But it was a complete and forever forgiveness of, of, of his debt here. And so Jesus compares this, this parable to the kingdom of heaven. And, and you and I have to understand that, that we can know that we are forgiven. And we can be forgiven. But the first thing that, that this requires is an examination of our heart, see? And we have to understand and, and realize that we, we have to ask. We have to ask. Like, 
oftentimes we're looking at the offense. Okay? And, and a lot of us, we have an offense scale, right? Like murder is at the top. It's the top of the chart. So if you're a killer, if you're a murderer, then forgiveness is harder to come by. If, if you commit adultery, it's, it's right up there with murder. It's, it, forgiveness is hard to come by. Lying. Lying. Lying to our neighbors. Lying to each other, right? Depending on how bad the lie is, depends on how whether we feel the person deserves forgiveness. But here's one of the secrets of, of God that we forget about. That we don't realize that that we we hide down in there, and the most amazing thing is that God is holy and just and, and, and perfect, right? Like like He's never committed anything wrong, never done any wrong, and yet what He requires for forgiveness is simply for us to have remorse, is is to be sorry, and. If we will ask him, guess what he'll do? None of y'all know. He'll forgive you. He'll forgive you, right? Like, like the heart condition is key. The most amazing thing is from the Genesis one one to the end of the of the book of Revelation. See, murders, uh, adulterers idolaters, liars, and murderers all packaged into one. Whoever they were, when they came to God with, with a broken heart and, and a broken spirit, every single time, guess what God did? He forgave them, right? Like that should be the best news on the face of the planet. It has nothing to do with, with what we have done and has everything to do with the condition of, of our heart. Every time that, that people did not receive forgiveness, every time that cities did not receive forgiveness and received damnation and, and hellfire and, and whatnot, was the reason was because they weren't sorry. They weren't sorry. And, and, and multiple times through, throughout the Old Testament, when, when this was a vital and important thing, the, the sacrifices, the, the meetings at the temple, all this stuff. See, all that stuff. God said, look, I don't want more sacrifices. I don't want more meetings. I don't want more festivals. I don't want more lectures. I, I don't want any more of that stuff. But, but what I want is for you to have a broken heart over your sin. And over what you have done against me. And so it goes back to the, the condition of, of our heart. And oftentimes we can get so mixed up, uh, so mixed up by wanting to do the right thing, but we're not doing it for the right reasons. See, it's all about the heart. It's all about motivation. And the question we have to ask ourselves is, why, 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 like, why do we want to do what's right? Is it because, well, that's just what's right. That's just what I've been told. Or is it because, is it because Jesus Christ has paid for our life, for our eternity, with his very life? 
with, with all the blood in His veins and all the breath in His lungs, He is paid for our forgiveness and our salvation and, and all of that. And so, if, if we're going to have the, the right mindset, the right heart, we have to realize that it comes from realizing that when we transgress, when we sin, when we make these mistakes, see, it's, it's not just bad because it, it, it's bad because it's sin, but it's because somebody, that being Jesus Christ, who, who deserved no punishment, who deserved nothing, who is perfect, perfect uh, Lamb of God, willingly laid down His life for us whose righteousness is as filthy rags. And so when we come to the point of, of, of realizing that when we do wrong, when, when we do not do what Christ is, is telling us to do, then we're just throwing His sacrifice to the side. We're just saying, I, I don't care. When we say, I'm just doing it because it's right, like that's, that's not the Christian mindset. And so uh, Jesus is comparing this, this parable with, with the... With the kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven, and, and sometimes let's be honest, we make it so hard for people because we say, "Well, you know, yeah, you do. All you gotta do is ask Jesus to save you, and then their life goes on." And this is a real shocker, but something happens, and they make a mistake, right? And and they fail, or they do something that that doesn't look like we think it should look like, and all of a sudden. What happens? We start to question, like, hey, does this person really know Jesus? Do they really have the, the Savior of the world? And we forget. The only reason that we have any standing with God is not because we're these great people, but it's because Jesus is, is the great Son of God who lived the life that we couldn't live. And so it's not even ours. It's Jesus's that He is giving to us. And all we have to do is simply, we just, we gotta ask. We gotta ask, right? We gotta believe. We gotta ask. And, and the amazing thing is, like, people in your life who have done something that many times, what do you think, what do you and I think about them? What do, you, what do you and I say about them? How, how do we treat those, those people? And so we, we've, we've got to realize and we've got to understand that God cares about the condition of our hearts. And any time that, that we come to Him humbly with, with a broken heart over our mistakes, every single time, He's going to forgive us. And one of the biggest problems that we have is that at some moment in time, we come to know Jesus as our Savior and Lord. And it's the greatest day ever. And we, But unfortunately, sometimes when that day comes, what is these thoughts going through our mind? We think like, hey, this is great. I'm never going to sin ever again. Like, I don't have to worry about it ever again. I don't have to deal with it. Not, not one more time do I have to deal with sin or its consequences in my life, and and we throw away, we throw around the word uh, repentance, right? Like you got to repent, and then you be saved, you be forgiven, and and we have to understand and realize from from what Jesus what Jesus is telling us here is that 
Repentance is a, isn't just a one-time thing. Because our sin is not just a one-time thing, right? Like it, all through our life, guess what? It is following us. We have to beat it off with Jesus Christ. I mean, it's the toughest thing we have in our life. But we have to understand that, that Jesus has made this sacrifice. He has died on the cross. And it's, it's completely paid uh, in full. Now, the problem is that the future isn't here, so we don't know what we're going to do in the future, but then we do something that we dearly regret and wish we hadn't done, and we said the devil, the enemy, starts to put these, these thoughts in our minds, and he starts to make us question our identity, see? He may start us a question and, and say things like, well, do you really know Jesus? Is Jesus really enough for such a horrible, wretched person as you who have done this this many times? You've done it again. There's no way you could be of God. And, but in that moment, in that moment, we, we have to realize that we have the assurance of forgiveness if, if our hearts are broken. If, if we feel sorry for what we have done, God will totally forgive us. And if we don't feel sorry, and if there is no regret, and if our hearts ain't broken, you know what we get? We don't get nothing. Nothing at all. And so we have to ask ourselves, what is the condition of our hearts? Now, as we look at the next couple of verses here, verse verse 28, something interesting happens. Now, this has been the best day of this servant's life. The best day. I mean, the best day he's ever had in his life. He has never been more freer than, than at this moment. But what I want us to, to see this morning is, what is the reaction to this great gift of mercy and grace and love and forgiveness that this man has received? We look in verse 28. It says, That servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. He grabbed him and started choking him and said, Pay what you owe. Pay what you owe. At this, his, his fellow servant fell down and and begin begging him, be patient with me, and I will pay you back. But he wasn't willing. He wasn't willing. Instead, he went and threw him into prison until he could pay what was owed. Now, interestingly enough, we've heard those words before. Be patient, and I will pay you back. That is exactly what this, this servant said to his master. Just moments before, just moments before, be patient and I will pay you back. And, and what was the master's response? Okay, I forgive all your debt. But what is the response? What's the response of this guy? He said, I'm going to throw you in prison until you pay back every single penny you owe, right? Now, the important thing to realize here is that it says that 
that servant went out and found. There's a difference between going out and going out and finding. Okay? And the difference is going out, when you're going out, you're innocent. You're innocent. You're just going out, you're going about your daily business, and then you see this guy who owes you this, this tiny, small amount of money. But this guy gets forgiven of every single thing that he has ever done, all this huge debt and millions of trillions of dollars. And the first thing he does, first thing in his mind, once he's forgiven is, you know what? Now, now I can do what I want to do. I'm completely forgiven. The money that I have no longer has to go to the master. So when I, I can go find this guy that owes me this, this very minuscule amount of money, I can go find him and I can, I can find me some money to go to the movies, right? I can find me some, some money to spend on what I want to do. I don't have to, I don't have to pay this debt, right? And so he went out to find this guy after he had all the grace and all the grace in the world. And, and some of us are being here this morning and here's what we're saying. Well, I know that. I know that. Of course you're supposed to forgive others because we've been forgiven. But the problem is not that, that we don't know it. The problem is that there is this great chasm of what, what we know and what we do. Right? Like, it only works if we do it. It only works if we do it. It's kind of like at your house. I hope at your house you have soap. You got soap? Y'all smell pretty good. I mean, I ain't smell, you know. You got soap. But just buying the soap doesn't make you clean. Okay? Like some children think that, but that's it's not true, right? Like, you've got to use the soap for it to work. Okay? So, so that's kind of this guy's problem. He's been, he's been shown the example. You know, he, he's been given the grace, the mercy, all this. And what has he done with it? He didn't learn a lesson. He just threw it right, right, right out the window. And that's the thing about that, that you and I have to understand is that, let's be honest, we all want people to be better. Right? Now, let's be honest. Every one of us in here in this room, we, we think about somebody now who we believe needs to be better. Like, if they would just be better, my neighborhood would be better. Right? If, if my boss was better, I would be better. You know, if, if my mother, if my father, it goes on and on. We just want people to be better. And what we have to realize is there is only one person that has ever succeeded in that mission of making people better. Only one, right? Like only one. And that is that is God sending His Son down here on earth to die for the sins of the world. Now, if you just listen to that whole phrase, there wasn't much comfortability in that. Okay? It, it involved the, the, the death of the Son of God on the cross and it involved forgiveness. And, and I can't really tell you how it all works. I can't. Because 
the way that we would think it would work is if you get somebody who is a hardened person who is just wicked as all get out, like why in the world would you go and say, you're forgiven. Everything that you've ever done is forgiven. Everything you're going to do today is forgiven. And everything that you're going to do in the future is forgiven. Like why in the world would you do that? It's not really what makes sense, but it's what transforms lives. It's the only thing that has ever worked in the history of the world is, is the forgiveness of God. The, the forgiveness of God. And so we have to understand that we have been given this, this great gift of forgiveness. And we, we kind of have to ask ourselves, I feel like sometimes we want to just keep it to ourselves. You know, we, we want to be forgiven, right? Yeah, we want to be forgiven. There, there's a guy that said it great the other day. He said, you know, we want forgiveness for ourselves, but we want karma for other people. And so to break that down, what that means is we are all for justice and righteousness and the full being prosecuted to the full extent of the law when somebody else is the murderer, when somebody else is the adulterer, when somebody else is the liar, when somebody else is the disobedient one. But what happens when those two places change, right? And we're the ones who are staring down the, the face of judgment. Boy, all of a sudden, our tune has changed, right? Now, we are grace and mercy warriors. We believe in forgiveness. And what we have to understand is it doesn't work that way. If they don't get forgiveness, we don't get forgiveness. It's just simple as that. God gave us his forgiveness. And, you know, some of us got amnesia. Okay? We got amnesia. Like some of y'all got amnesia. I got amnesia. And what that means is that sometimes once we become saved, because because of God's forgiveness, we become a lot funner to be around, a lot better, a lot more loving, a lot more understanding. And years go by and we become this person that is so great. But, and, and then people come into our lives or our church house or our community and we see them doing things and saying things and, and acting like certain ways. And what do we do? Well, Here's where that justice comes in, that right, that, that, that wrath of God, that, that judgment, right? And we forget that we're no different than them. The only thing that's different between us and them is that they have yet to accept the gift of God's forgiveness and grace and mercy. And that at one point in time, guess what? We was just like them, right? Like we was just, we was just like them. Doing the things they were doing, saying the things they were saying, thinking the things that, that they were thinking. And the only thing that changed us is not somebody getting up here and telling us how we should do it because we already knew what we was doing was wrong. But it was the moment, it was the moment that we understood that, that the God of the whole entire universe willingly sent his son down here to live a perfect life that we couldn't live and then willingly nailed him to the cross and put those thorns on him and let him experience the wrath of God that we should deserve and then rose again the third. It was in that moment, right, that we said, I, 
I'm in. Okay, I'm in. And then our lives turn around. So we have to have that same attitude, that same desire, and realize that's the only way that transformation happens. So if we look in the last couple of verses here, verse 31 through 35, it says this. When the other servants saw what had taken place, they were deeply distressed and went and reported to their master everything that had happened. Then after he had summoned them, him, his master said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Shouldn't you also have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And because he was angry, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay everything that was owed. So also my heavenly Father will do to you unless every one of you forgives his brother or sister from your heart. Now, I think we can all agree that's that's one of the most hardest verses probably in the whole Bible. Because what Jesus is saying is there are consequences for unforgiveness. And the interesting thing is that that actually, actually it's not just a spiritual thing. But when we don't forgive people, guess what happens? Our bodies are affected. Like we get real angry, real angry, and we get real anxious, and, and we get real stressed out, and we get this hatred going up inside us, and then every time that person pops in our head, you know what happens? Our blood pressure goes up, we get angry, you know, our, our smile gets broken, our joy gets stolen, all this stuff. And, and actually, see, there's a funny thing about this anxiety. But anxiety actually produces excess adrenaline and cortisol, okay? And it depletes the production of natural killer cells, which is the body's foot soldiers against cancer, okay? So you would think forgiveness has nothing to do and will not affect me all my life on earth. But, but, but it does. See, it does. And actually, uh, unforgiveness is classified as a disease. It's classified as a disease. And the chief surgeon at the Cancer Center Treatments of America is quoted as saying that refusing to forgive, refusing to forgive, uh, makes people sick and it keeps them sick. So, I mean, let's just be realistic. we got a lot of sickness in our life. Now, I love it ain't for being unforgiving, but what that means is that if we're not being forgiven, if we're not forgiving people, it is going to affect us spiritually and our relationship with God. But it is also going to affect us in a very real, uh, physical, physical way. And... If you and I, if you can just think about this for a moment, think about that moment when when we all die and we come face to face with God, with God, who has given up the life of His only Son for us sinners who have sinned against Him, who have rebelled against Him, who have done wrong time and time and time and time. And time again, and then some more times, and then some more times, and then, I mean, it goes on and on, right? But we come face face with God, and the God who gave up His Son. What do you think it's going to be like when we have to tell God, like, God, I'm sorry. 
but I ain't forgiving that other person. Like they don't they don't deserve it, right? But they they do not deserve it. They are they are going to ruin heaven. Okay, they're gonna ruin heaven. They they're gonna make it a horrible place and on and on and on. But God's not gonna have be very patient with that business. Because he has already paid very dearly for our forgiveness. I mean, how many how many of y'all got kids in here? Man, come on now. Y'all raise your hands, okay? Raise your you got children, right? Yeah. Like how many how many of y'all would would give up your child to be killed on the cross for a murder? Probably not very many of you, right? But that's what that's what God did, right? That is what he did. And so if you and I have received that gift of forgiveness for everything that we have done in the past, everything we've done today, and everything we're going to do in the future, right? Like, we have to pay it forward. We, we have to forgive. And if for, and if for no other reason, no other reason in the whole world, for this reason right here, the only thing that transformed your life and my life is not some words on the page, right? It's not, uh, people telling us what to do. But it was when we was in that vulnerable moment of being the one that it was okay for people to judge us, to condemn us, right? And then God said, no, I'm going to save you. I'm going to forgive you. And that changed our life. And so I'm just going to get, I'm going to guess. I'm going to take guess. But I figure today that every one of us in this room has some of them folks in your life. Who, I mean, they're difficult, okay, they're very difficult, they say things to you, and you just get, you know, your blood boils up, you get angry, you know, uh, they, they sin against you constantly, I mean, let's be realistic, because if you know people, that's how people are, right, that's, I mean, that's just the truth, okay, so, so we have people like that in our life, and I'm just gonna, I'm, I'm gonna guess that you would love it if they would just change. Right, like if, if they would just change and be transformed and be just great, awesome, grace-filled, merciful, uh, Christ-following people, it would be awesome, right? Like that would be your just number one wish in life. So here's what you got to do this week, okay? Don't don't try to to force it down their throats, right? Like don't try to tell them everything that they're doing wrong because guess what? They already know. I mean, they already know, and we already know when we're in that situation, okay? And don't give them the cold shoulder, right? Like, don't block your phone number, or, you know, go hide in the basement, or when they knock at the door, turn all lights off. I mean, I don't know how serious it is. But, but, just maybe try what Jesus did, okay? Maybe try what, what Jesus did and, and offer them forgiveness. But not the kind of forget, not the kind of like selfish forgiveness, selfish apology, like where, you know, I forgive you, but then all this, and then, and then we say, I forgive you, but then we're going to wait on the rights right after that, and we're going to let them know, like, hey, you are in big trouble. And here's the thing, if, if you read what Jesus says in, in Matthew 18, there's a big problem here. I mean, it is a big, big issue. 
In this last verse here, it says, So also my heavenly Father will do to you unless every one of you forgives his brother or sister from your heart. Now, that is the most difficult thing that I think any of us have to do. And, and see, sometimes we, we forgive people, but why do we forgive people? We forgive them because, well, we know that's what we're supposed to do. We really don't want to do it. But we know that's what they tell us to do, so we, we gonna do it, right? Or we say, well, I'm gonna forgive them, but I ain't gonna have nothing to do with them, right? Like I, I'm gonna forgive them, but they better not be coming over here doing, doing things with me, right? But, but also, there's also this idea that we need to understand that forgiveness is forgiveness. And I think one of the biggest examples of that, one of the greatest examples of that is, I mean, there, there are certain circumstances, instances that are different, you know, but we got to be careful and make sure that our forgiveness is forgiveness. And sometimes we try to justify things. I will say, well, you didn't forgive people, but you don't have to trust them. You don't have to like them, you know. And, and you look at Jesus. See, one of his disciples been with him this whole time, right? The night which he was going to get killed and crucified, they come arresting his disciple Peter was was around Jesus. Okay, he was around Jesus, and and but here's the thing: people asked him, "Well, well Peter, aren't aren't you with him?" And what does Peter say? No, no, I I ain't with him. Okay, I ain't over there with that crucified man. And and then somebody comes up again, right, and asks him the question: Peter, are you? You with him? You with him? And and what's he say? No, no, I I don't know nothing about no Jesus, right? But then then it comes to the point where he says no, he even curses, he even curses God, right? Like like he's intense. So I'm pretty sure in, in our minds, even though sin is sin, that's pretty much the worst thing you could do in our minds. And you know what Jesus does? He forgives him, but he also reinstates him. He reinstates him. And you know who afterwards was the most powerful and just most effective person in the whole world? It was Peter. And you know why? Because Jesus forgave him. And Jesus dearly, I mean, Peter dearly loved Jesus. Dearly loved Jesus. And that day on, on Pentecost, that man, this man who denied knowing Jesus three times, what does he do? He gets up there in front of thousands of people and he tells them, look, you have messed up and you've crucified the Son of God and you need to let him be the Savior and Lord of your lives and like 3,000 people come to know Jesus. And so you and I have to understand and realize that it is hard in life because people are difficult. That's, that's just what it is, right? People are difficult. They're going to do things they're going to say things and they're probably going to do the exact thing and say the exact thing that we really don't want them to. And it's really going to make us angry. But we have to go back and we have to remember what Jesus has done for us. And to remember that if Jesus has forgiven everything we've ever done, hey, this, this little thing, this little thing, surely if we've experienced that forgiveness, we can forgive them. And then also, some of us in our minds, like, we are the worst people on ourselves. Like, we, we don't need other people to talk about us, because in our minds, it's, it's this constant, 
constant film roll of us talking about ourselves and we can't forgive ourselves. And, and we have to realize that God is in charge. So if God forgives us, we're forgiven. We, we don't have uh, to worry about that. And then maybe some of us see what we've done is we, we've kind of blended in. You know, I, we blended, I call them chameleons. You know, we got chameleons and, and we know what to say. Like we've been to church. We got, we may even got a reserved pew. I, I don't know, but got a reserved pew. We know all the language that people talk about at church. You know, we, we read the Bible. We read the Bible. We, we, maybe you tell the preacher he has a good sermon. I don't know, but let's sing. We sing, do all this stuff. But here's the thing. We don't have Jesus. And until Jesus Christ, until we realize that it's not about what we do. It never has been about what we do. But it's about who do we know. Who do we know. And we do all these things. But we don't know the one person that can transform us. And that can truly forgive us. So as we have this invitation and music plays. I challenge you to just examine.